You're tuned into Channel Africa, your gateway to Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. I'm Tabi Solohoko. We're currently on the frequency 9625 kHz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. And it's time now for a news bulletin in our top stories at the Sawa. At least five Zimbabwean journalists and hundreds of unemployed youths assaulted and injured by the police. South Sudanese President Salva Kiir fires six ministers in a move that removed the figures known to have close ties with former rebel leader Riek Macha. And the number of casualties in the conflict in eastern Ukraine reaches its highest level. Good morning. At least five Zimbabwean journalists and hundreds of unemployed youths have been assaulted and injured during a march on Wednesday against unemployed and banknotes. Now the situation got out of hand as the protest was about to end. This march was against unemployment and bond notes. When armed Zimbabwean police in their numbers pounced on the protesters without provocation, a provocation also ensued. Someone with Chemo reports. Business came to a halt Wednesday in Harare, Zimbabwe, when armed police clashed with protesters who thronged the streets against unemployment and bond notes. The protests, which were sanctioned by the High Court Tuesday evening, started peacefully with hundreds of youths denouncing President Robert Mugabe. South Sudanese President Salva Kiir has fired six ministers in a move that removed figures known to have close ties with former rebel leader Riek Macha. Under a peace agreement signed in August 2015, Akir headed the government while Macha was given the position of first vice president. Thirty ministerial posts were distributed between their two parties and others. A Ghanaian opposition member of parliament has been arrested during a policy meeting in the capital Conakry for insulting President Alpha Conde. Osmani Diallo Gaul is a member of the main opposition, Union of Democratic Forces of Guinea. The MP was taken into custody and charged with contempt of the head of state after a complaint was filed about the state's prosecution on behalf of the Ghanaian president. With the vote counting first approaching the 50% mark in South Africa, some political parties are celebrating early victories while some look set to register major vote losses. The opposition DA is celebrating its retention of the Midval municipality in Gauteng province with the 40% of votes counted for the municipal polls. The ANC is leading the race with more than 50% of the vote. Tepo Ikaneng.
The ANC's control of Houghton's three big metros is said to be seriously under threat, with the results so far showing the Democratic Alliance in the lead in Tswane, Johannesburg and Ekuruleni. The EFF currently occupies the third spot in all three big metros. The DA is also in a commanding lead at the closely contested Nelson Mandela Bay Metro in Port Elizabeth, polling just over 56%. The party has managed to win the Kuha municipality in the Eastern Cape from the ANC. UDM President Bantu Holomisa lost his Ward 22 in King Sabata Dalinyabo District Municipality to the ANC, a major blow for his party's prospects to retain control of some of its traditional strongholds. Vote counting continues. Tsepo Ikaning, SABC News in Pretoria. The number of casualties in the conflict in eastern Ukraine has reached its highest level in a year. United Nations Human Rights Office found that 12 people were killed and 57 injured in June the highest figure since August last year. Spokesperson at the UN office in Geneva, Ravina Shamdasani. The number of casualties in eastern Ukraine in the past two months have soared dramatically compared to the previous few months. In June, uh, we documented 69 civilian casualties. Now, this was nearly double the figure for May 2016. And this is the highest figure that we have seen since August 2015, so a year ago. Channel Africa News, I'm Tabiso Nohoku. African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. until the midday today. Thank you for joining us right here. When we're broadcasting right outside our Johannesburg studios, we're not so far away from Johannesburg, Auckland Park. We're just around maybe 20 minutes into Midrand, and uh, that is at the Pan-African Parliament, where there is the annual speakers' conference and the first annual meeting of the Association of Secretary-Generals of African Parliaments. It's taking place uh, uh, from... Uh, it started yesterday, actually, and uh, it will actually complete tomorrow. So we're here just to find out what is actually the agenda that's going to be put on place in this particular gathering today. We're joined in our outside broadcast here by Honorable Dr. Benadette Lahai, who's the Vice President of the Pan-African Parliament. And also we've got uh, the uh, Honorable Cecilia uh, Chazama, who is a Malawi parliamentarian. And we'll be speaking to them about how important this uh, gathering is. The theme here is uh, from adoption to ratification of the African Union treaties, in particular the new protocol of the Pan-African Parliament. And the question that's been raised here, what are gains for Africa? So we'll be finding out what's happening today right here at the Gallagher Convention Center and we're right here at the Pan-African Parliament. Let me start this conversation with you, Honorable Lahai, as the Vice President of the Pan-African Parliament. How important is this gathering? Well, this is an annual gathering of the speakers of the 
national parliaments of Africa, mm. because this is the Pan-African Parliament where all parliamentarians from Africa come and work, and uh, we come from national parliaments. It's all. It's only. Uh, expedient that uh, our speakers and our clerks mm. are also part of the activities of the Pan-African Parliament. Uh, remember that uh, whatever we do here in the Pan-African Parliament, uh, we, we will go back to our countries to present reports of our activities. Mm. So the speakers conference is one way of also keeping the speakers abreast, mm. involving them in the activities of the Pan-African Parliament. Because uh, if you look at our protocol, uh, there is a whole chapter on the role of the national parliament and the regional parliament in the work of the Pan-African Parliament. Mm. Uh, we, as a legislative body, mm. will rely a lot on the speakers and the clerks mm. for some of the activities. For example, the African Union uh, legal instruments, mm. after they are being signed, they must be ratified by national parliaments. Mm. So uh, the role of the speakers and the clerks are very important because one, they need to be aware of what we are doing here. Mm. They need to know what are their specific roles with regards to African Union legal instruments. They also need to to call on ministers and heads of state to remind them of their obligations when they sign uh, documents of the African Union with regards to ratification and implementation. The speakers are the ones that are also heads of their institutions. Mm. A lot of the work we do here also have budget implications uh, when it comes to implementation because it's the parliament that allocates the budget mm. for the the, the policies uh, implementation of of the of the of the member states mm. so they are an integral part of the pan-african parliament being also members of parliament or being heads of parliamentary institutions their role is very important so it is an annual event they normally come here for two days mm. but the two days is preceded by the clerks mm. or the secretary generals they are the principal advisors to the to the speakers mm. so they come in a one day they also meet to discuss issues relating to their work as secretaries of general or as clerks and also what is expected of them uh, in the implementation of the Pan-African Parliament decisions and the African Union decisions. Mm. Let's come back to the theme, um, Honorable Lahai, in terms of uh, the uh, from adoption to ratification of the African Union treaties and also it's a focus of the new protocol of the African uh, Pan-African Parliament. Parliament. Tell us a little bit about uh, this uh, theme and how important it is. What is this process that we're talking about currently? Uh, when the, the Pan-African Parliament was instituted, it was meant to initially serve as an advisory and consultative body mm. for five years. Uh, during that time, all the institutional and human resource uh, capabilities would have been put in place to ensure that when they, they graduate from ad uh, advisory to consultative advisor and consultative role to that of legislative role uh, the all the necessary infrastructure institutional logistical will be in place mm -hmm. so after the five years the protocol was revised and uh, taken to the heads of state mm -hmm. for adoption in 2014 in malabo the protocol was adopted uh, but in, within the protocol, uh, there needs to be 28 ratifications mm. by member states for it to come into law. Okay. This is, so this is why uh, we are 
since 2014 we are rolling out uh, advocacy and lobbying uh, program uh, to the member states mm. to ensure that they sign and also they ratify the the protocol until and unless the protocol is signed and ratified by 28 member states the protocol will not come into effect and as a result we will not take up our new legislative role mm. so that is why we have dedicated the last two years last year and this year mm. to work closely with uh, the speakers of national parliament and also the the member states we are just coming from the the 27th uh, AU summit in mm. Kigali mm. there also we met the foreign ministers who are mostly responsible for signing the document and also we met the heads of state we also met the ambassadors mm. uh, all of them who are in Addis mm. to continue to advocate to them to uh, impress upon their heads of state and the foreign ministers uh, on the need for the countries to ratify not only the PAP protocol but also there are a lot of also outstanding African Union legal instruments that mm -hmm. are very key for the development of Africa that needs to be also signed ratified mm -hmm. so that it can come in the force. Well I know I have to let you go Honorable Lahai but my final question before I let you go is how, how important is this move for the Pan-African Parliament to become more of a legislative power on the continent and an instrument in that regard? It is very important i'm sure uh, uh, the very fact that uh, before the african union there was no pan african parliament mm. but uh, you know like like any institution you have the executive arm of the the government you have the judiciary which is like the african court yes. and then there's the legislative you know there is separation of powers mm. you cannot be the one to come up with laws, mm. to implement them, to interpret them. Mm. So that was why uh, after the establishment of the African Union, it was thought necessary that we have a, a legislative arm of the, the African Union. And mm. that arm will be the one providing oversight over the African Union because you cannot be the player and the mm. referee at the yes, same yes. time. And also, as representatives of the people, because we are parliamentarians, we will be the one that will take actually the program of the African Union to our people and bring back their feedback mm. to the African Union but the lawmaking is also very important mm. we'll be making model laws mm. big general laws those laws will now be taken to the national parliament and it will now be uh, ratified and domesticated with taking into consideration the cultural relativism sure. of, of countries mm. because no two countries have the same way of doing same same institution uh, the the model laws are going to be very important mm. uh, for example uh, africa needs to be connected mm. africa needs to be lit yes you know for now you know less than 20 30 percent of the continent enjoys a uh, continuous uh, availability uh, quality electricity mm. and electricity is going to be key mm. in moving africa so we need to come up with model laws. Mm. For now, you know, when you look at the, the continents, the, there is no consolidation on the laws of uh, when it comes to energy. Yes, and yes. even the regulatory frameworks are all doing different things. things yes. So the model laws will really will really be to harmonize yeah. we'll study all of those regulatory frameworks yeah. all of those policies in energy so that to we'll harmonize them so that it is easier for us to also compare and contrast yeah. for example they will, if we take the education as a system yeah. 
we also need model law so that we harmonize and uh, harmonize our accreditation uh, 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 processes so that a, a university degree here in South Africa will be the same, will be accepted in Sierra Leone sure, or will sure. be accepted in Nigeria. That is also going to ease the movement of labor yes. so that if you want to go and work in Sierra Leone, when you take your papers, you know, because there is now standardization and harmonization, sure. it is easy for us to say, yes, your paper is equivalent to the papers in, in Sierra Leone. Mm. And then when it comes to job offer, mm. then that is not a problem. Uh, we even look at our health system. Systems, you know, mm. we need to build resilient health systems. Mm. We saw what Ebola did when it came to Sierra Leone, mm. Liberia, and Guinea. Mm. Although it was confined to those countries, but we saw how it impacted on the whole of Africa mm. uh, in terms of movement of people, goods, and services. Mm. So we need those harmonisation. Mm. Our our airstrips. Mm. We need to open our airspace mm. so that you know. Uh, we will move people and goes faster. Mm. That means uh, the Yamasukro decisions yeah. need to be uh, uh, approved and signed by a lot of people. Mm. That is not happening. Mm. Uh, what about our our, our, our gender issues, uh, 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 women's issues and empowerment? Mm. So there is a lot of harmonization we mm. need to do when we become the legislative body by developing all those model laws mm. we can either we generate the the topics for the model laws mm. or the african union can also uh, advise us or, or recommend to us the areas in which we we, we, we could make model laws mm. at the end of the day is to make africa one small country mm. so that you know we trade among each other our goods and services are moving mm. the visas and the trade barriers and the non tariff barriers. Mm. All of this need to look into. Well, and that is what uh, we will be doing when we become a legislative body. Well, uh, so it's very important sure. that as soon as possible mm. we have the 28th ratification. Well, thank you so much to Honorable Dr. Benedict Lahai. I know you've been very busy today. Thank you for giving us your time and making yourself available for us. Uh, we're going to go for a quick break and then we're going to come back and speak to the Honorable Cecilia Chizama who is uh, a parliamentarian from Malawi. And uh, then we'll see if we can get other delegates coming through that can speak to us and i think with cecilia i want to speak to a little bit about the gender issues and the women caucus that took place this past weekend about women's roles also in in parliament and uh, uh, we're going to take a quick break back to our johannesburg studios join prominent leaders in business and government at the top women conference as they unveil some of the most successful stories and strategies implemented around the empowerment of women in Africa. Conference will focus on how we can implement 50-50 gender parity by 2030. This takes place on August 17 and 18 at the Empress Palace in Johannesburg, South Africa. The conference brings together decision makers and leaders who are serious about delivering results. Are you one of them? If you are, then book now by visiting www.topwomenconference.co.za. That address again, www.topwomenconference.co.za. Code Channel Africa to get your free copy of Top Women in Business and Government Publication. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Give her freedom and equality, she's got the right to be. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. for Channel Africa Radio in Ethiopia's capital, Addis Ababa. George Muhango, Channel Africa, Blantyre.
Reporting for Channel Africa, I'm Hilda Kekeloa in Zambia. Reporting for Channel Africa in Harare, Zimbabwe, this is Simon Muchemwa. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese, and Chinyanja. Reporting for Channel Africa, this is Moki Kinzeka in Yawundi. Informing the world about Africa. Ntakwanangatani in Mohalizuk, Lesotho. Reporting for Channel Africa, Mwaigi Konyo in Nairobi. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Yes, you are listening to Channel Africa. We've got a special broadcast today. We're right here at the Pan-African Parliament, and it's our a second year with me presenting the show here on Channel Africa. We were here last year when there was a transitional process whereby they were electing the new president. But now there's also another transitional point that uh, the Pan-African Parliament is going through into turning the power into a more legislative, the parliament rather, into a more legislative organ of the African Union. And the theme this year is uh, from adoption to ratification of the African Union treaties, in particular the new protocol of the Pan-African Parliament. What are the gains for Africa? That is the main theme this year. Right now we're joined by the Malawi parliamentarian, uh, Honorable Cecilia Chazama, who's joining us. And also we've got the Honorable Abdul, uh, Abdul Razak Namdas, who is an MP from Nigeria. I'm, I want to start with you, uh, Honorable Cecilia, in terms of looking at uh, what happened this past weekend. I know there was a big gathering that took place with uh, M- female MPs uh, speaking about the importance of uh, gender and women's roles in parliament and governance. Can you tell us a little bit about what that woman caucus uh, really elaborated on this past weekend? Um, good morning. Um, the issues we had the past weekend, there were pre-meetings mm. before the committee meetings of Pan-African Parliament. Sure. So as women parliamentarians in Africa uh, we were discussing basically on the female genital mutilation mm. and the age marriages. Mm. Um, it's a big issue in African countries. Uh, so we're looking at this not only from the areas where this is dominating, mm. but we're saying as a women parliamentarians, what is our role mm. to combat this? Mm. What is it we can do as women parliamentarians in our national parliaments? Mm. And how do we work together to assist those who have been affected and to protect those who would be affected. Mm. And uh, we were looking at those. Uh, this uh, conference was a two-day conference and we were funded by UNFPA mm. uh, in conjunction with the Pan-African Parliament. So the, w- there were a lot of issues which we discussed and also the causes of this. Mm. And we were looking at how is it we can help in our national parliaments. So there were several objectives but we come up with uh, uh, resolutions like in countries, some countries have even enacted laws mm. to stop the female genital mutilation, mm. even the laws on early marriages, but some countries haven't. So as a women's caucus of an African parliament, we agreed mm. that we should help our national parliaments, mm. where those, uh, they have not yet enacted those laws. Mm. bring up motions mm. and possibly draft bills in our parliaments. But also, uh, for the, some countries like um, in Mali and other countries where there is a high rate mm. of uh, genital mutilation, 
but there are no laws. Mm. So we are thinking that we should help them to enact those laws. Mm. And if for those countries which already have those uh, laws, but the challenge maybe could be dissemination of the same. Mm. So we agreed with the UNFPA so that we should go to our national parliaments through the women caucuses in our national parliaments to, to reach out to the grassroots, mm. to the communities mm. uh, where this is happening and uh, to engage with the traditional leaders, uh, religious leaders, but also our male, fem- uh, um, male parliamentarians. Okay. You know, most uh, parliaments, basically, if you, uh, uh, the female parliamentarians are not many numbers. Mm, mm, mm. And uh, on our own, there's no way we can achieve to enact any law. Mm. So we s- the best to do this is to engage our male counterparts in the national parliaments mm. uh, so that we have good laws mm. to protect the girl child mm. and also where there are these laws that like I've already alluded to mm. to reach out to the people especially traditional leaders and the religious leaders mm. and we also discovered that basically these things it's not about religion mm. it's not about um, uh, culture but maybe it's just customs mm. uh, so we want to to go deeper mm. on this so that uh, uh, in, in uh, areas where there is a female gender mutilation this should be totally stopped mm. and then the issue of early marriages we said we, sh- we have to emphasize on education mm. because when the girl child is educated that girl child is empowered and, we, and at the end of the day she will be able to make a right decision. Mm. Well, I want to come back also to just the happenings this time around and what's happening in terms of the gathering. And let me come to you, Honorable Namdas, MP from Nigeria. Thank you for giving us your time. Thank you so much. When you look at the importance of this gathering, how important is it? I know that um, the Pan-African Parliament is embarking on a new trajectory empowering in terms of empowering and deepening its function. How important is the process that we find ourselves in as the Pan-African Parliament currently with strengthening the arm of the Pan-African Parliament into a more legislative body. Uh, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. Uh, I want to let uh, the entire Africa know that uh, the legislative arm of government, uh, to some larger extent, is a new arm of government as all in Africa. Because mm. if you look at the history of Africa, most countries were run by military dictatorship, and therefore, once there's a military dictatorship, you don't have the legislative uh, arm of government. They work with decrees. Mm. So you realize that uh, the government is not as old as we compare to the executive uh, arm of government or the judiciary. Mm. because whether it is dictatorship or military you still have these two functions but mm. the legislative arm of government that is strictly a new uh, a symbol of democracy and sure. therefore a lot of people really misunderstood the idea of legislature but it's the legislature that strengthens the democracy in every institutions of this country the legislature that approves budget appropriate funds mm. uh, to every national government in order for them to run this government and this is a very delicate and very important thing uh, the legislature ensures that it does oversight functions mm. to ensure that whatever he appropriates is actually been carried out to ensure that it is done according to the rules of law mm. and that is also and the legislature do representation mm. and therefore it is very important in view of this to have speakers all over Africa to come here because in Pan-African Parliament as it was earlier stated it is just a, a, a advisory body mm. and 
when you advise it's not compulsory that you must take this advice and therefore there is need for based on the Malabo protocol to ensure that we now move from mere consultative advisory to legislative Mm -hmm. so that we can now do actual oversight functions be able to hold some government accountable to tell people that look this is a budget that is meant for africa we can be able to approve this budget based on the needs of the people and as it has been stated uh, although we are in africa the problems in nigeria is not the same you find in lesotho it's not the same you find in malawi We have some challenges in Nigeria as I speak today. You know that we have problems of the Boko Haram, yeah. which is a very serious, it's a terrorism, it's everywhere. And you have other people blogging pipes, kidnappings and what have you. And we must also tap from experience of other African countries who went through the same processes and were able to come out of it. In view of that, we can now look at the laws as legislators in our national parliament, uh, be able to come with draft bills, how these laws can be curbed, how do we punish this. And when we share these experiences, it is these these speakers who naturally send us to these places and uh, therefore when we go back we also present what we are able to get here uh, to our national parliament i think uh, by the special grace of god given the commitment of some of the governments and particularly look at what the prime minister of lesotho just said uh, we are hopeful that uh, we were there but he also said it should not be done in a hurry so i am not sure that it's going to be <laughs> coming back to you uh, honorable cecilia is the how important is that kind of uniformity i know that honorable the high was speaking a lot about that harmonizing policies harmonizing the way we look at things in the greater scheme of things on the continent how important is to entrench policies that enable that well it is important you see uh, from what uh, the guest speaker said Mm. you know if we don't harmonize Mm. then uh, uh, actually Africa is losing Mm. we have Africa has the potential and we are saying all the issues which are happening right now in Africa. It's because we are doing uh, individually like countries. Mm. So it's, uh, we are saying it's high time that we have been, it has been talked, talked, but now we should walk the talk. Mm. How do we walk the talk? Mm. It's by engaging all the national parliaments. Mm. It's by in- engaging, you know, Pan-African Parliament, it's an organ of African Union. Mm. So we are saying we should work together the recommendations which PAP or the resolutions which PAP gives to the African Union mm. should be taken on board and the, all these policies if they are harmonized really Africa is going to change mm. so that's what we are saying mm. and uh, you know as the parliamentarians we are meeting here in different committees there are a lot of we meet stakeholders we have workshops and all that we take these not only to our national parliaments but they are also recommended to the African Union. So we hope that if these things are recommended and they are taken into board, really Africa and even Parliament, uh, Pan-African Parliament, people feel it. Mm. Yes. And, and that's so important, especially when you see the agenda of the African Union, Honorable Abdurazak, in terms of the 2063 agenda of the integration program that we want to see unfolding before us. We need that unification. We need that harmony. I, it is really ambitious and it is, uh, it is good for us. Uh, but the problem I always see in Africa mm. is that uh, even if you look at national governments, we'll have 20-year plans, but when succeeding government comes, it, uh, it sure, is, is sure. distorted. Sure. And, but I'm very, very elated that uh, given the spirit 
of the leaders, the crop of leaders would have at the moment. They are very enthusiastic about this ideal of having this 2063. I think it's a very good one. But again, I think uh, uh, we also at the level of parliament, we will be should be seen to be giving uh, effect uh, assistance to this so that uh, it does not only live with the executive legislature, which also have a way. Yeah. And that was why my the previous speaker here from uh, from Sierra Leone was talking about the idea of giving education. How can we see that there is harmony in education? Mm-hmm. A, a degree in uh, in South Africa should be equivalent to the one in Nigeria, mm-hmm. to the one in Malawi, and we don't have this. And not only that, we look at the syllabus. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't. Uh, if you, it's unfortunate sometimes when you go to African libraries or some universities, when you are talking of top 20 universities in the world, you see Africa down the mm-hmm. ladder. Mm-hmm. And I hope this vision of 2060 will be able to cure some of this. We will have a system of education that will be in line with the Western education, but not forgetting our cultural ways of life. And I think that will help in good. Honorable, bef- Honorable Abdullah Rak, before we, we kind of wrap up this part of the conversation, how important that also the Pan-African Parliament should actually be part of that mission, be part of that kind of legislative um, arm to also um, complement that 2063 agenda? That is why if it will be given a full legislative sure, uh, sure. Uh, that would be very good sure. because as I said, if we don't make it just mere advisory, mm. uh, it is at the mercy of whoever wants to implement it or not. Mm. But once it's at the level of legislature, I can tell you that the crop of legislators we have here are very experienced people. Mm. Some people have been in parliament for over 15 years, uh, some for mm. over 8 years. So when we harness this kind of uh, experiences from various nations and we're able to put a law, and I think it will guide even the national governments to how we can move forward. But I'm hopeful that uh, Africa will come out clean. Fantastic. We're going to uh, wrap it up with you, Honorable Abdullah Razak Namdas. I'm going to stay with you, uh, MP, just for a little while because I think we want I want to deal with uh, gender e- equity and issues of gender within uh, African parliaments so I can't let you go before I speak about that issue because it's a very big issue on the continent of Africa but we're going to go back to our Johannesburg studios and take a quick break and uh, remember you can give us your thoughts you can uh, tweet us you can sms us and also you can uh, give us your thoughts via our email address but I'm going to go back to our Johannesburg studios and then we're going to come back to wrap up the conversation Hi, this is Lira, South African Afro soul singer and songwriter. You're listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, celebrating 20 years of South African freedom and democracy. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Kultanjoy for Channel Africa Radio in Ethiopia's capital, Addis Ababa. George Muhango, Channel Africa, Blantyre. Reporting for Channel Africa, I am Hilda Kekeloa in Zambia. Reporting for Channel Africa in Harare, Zimbabwe, this is Simon Muchemwa. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese, and Chinyanja. Reporting for Channel Africa, this is Moki Kinzaka. 
in Yaoundé. Informing the world about Africa. Ntakwa Nangatani in Mohalizuk, Lesotho. Reporting for Channel Africa, Mwaigi Konyo in Nairobi. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Oh, you are listening to Channel Africa. This is African Dialogue. You with me, Benjamin Mushatama. We're broadcasting right here at the Gallagher Convention Center at where uh, the uh, parliament is based. That's the Pan-African Parliament. I want to wrap up with you, Cecilia. I know you've got to go back in. It's a busy, busy season here, right here at the uh, Convention Center. But in terms of equity and how we're doing with uh, women within uh, parliament and their involvement, how are we doing in that regards? Because I had to uh, question you on that before I had I let you go do you still think we can improve as a continent yes <clears throat> we still have a chance mm-hmm. um, actually I would say currently we are we are not doing well mm-hmm. of course we have Rwanda as the best example actually in the world mm-hmm. where they have 64 percent of the women in their national parliament um, there are several systems which uh, most national parliaments are following, like the pro, uh, proportional representation, the zebra, and the affirmative action. So, as uh, in in uh, in our protocol, the Malabo protocol, there is a recommendation that as national parliaments, if it is adopted, that is, uh, there will be two plus one, meaning that because each national parliament is supposed to send five members to the Pan-African parliament, but currently some countries send maybe one female parliamentarian, others two. So really there is no equity. But uh, we, we are saying that as Pan-African parliament is uh, wants to adopt this, it should start from the national parliaments. Uh, you know, from the female uh, gender-related laws to, to be passed, we, we need to engage the men and uh, because they are more in numbers. Um, I, I'm a very good example uh, because I come from Malawi and I'm the only uh, female parliamentarian wow, wow. in a delegation of four men. Wow. So it's, it's not only Malawi, but there are several countries. Sure. So the issue of gender equity, uh, we are looking at that. But also, if you look at Pan-African Parliament and other positions, not only political positions, we, we were saying women should be engaged. Generally in Africa, the 52% of the population, they are women. So you also find that um, not many women occupy those positions. But now we are saying, please engage us. That's why we wanted to promote this education. If you talk with the health sector, the most vulnerable are the women, the girl child. Uh, uh, I mean, in every sector, the women are like uh, below but we are saying, uh, as Africans, let's respect the women, but also let's engage the women. And if you are talking of gender equity, we are saying Pan-Africa setting example. For the first time, we can see the leadership of uh, uh, five. Three are, the three vice presidents are, are women, two are men. So we are saying we'll be getting there. But for us to achieve more, we, we are saying not only giving women on a silver platter, it should be on merit. That's what we are saying. Sure. It should be on merit, not uh, uh, just giving uh, women positions. All right. Should, yeah. I'm going to let you go there. Thank you so much, uh, Honorable Cecilia Chazama. Thank you for giving us your time. I know you were busy and you have a meeting that's actually that you have to go to right now. Thank you. Thank you so much for giving us your time. Yes. And, and I uh, hope that you have a great stay here in South Africa. Yes. And I would also say thank you very much, Channel Africa, for giving me this opportunity. I'm the first vice chairperson. At, uh, for the Women's Caucus here at Pan-African Parliament, but I also represent them 
the Southern Caucasus, where yes. I come from. Okay. Yes. Thank you so much, man. Thank you Thank very you. much. That's how we wrap it up with uh, Cecilia Shazama. Now we're joined uh, here by Honorable Stephen Marcella, who's an MP joining us uh, from uh, Tanzania. Uh, Honorable Marcella, how are you? Fine, how are you? Fantastic. What I like about you, you're one of the youngest uh, parliamentarians here. Mm. How does it feel to be a young parliamentarian? And, and maybe we should speak about that before we go into other issues. The, the importance of the youth vote, with the, the youth uh, conversation, the youth um, young parliamentarian. How important is it to have young parliamentarians? Yeah, it's true. Um, first of all, I would like to thank you for the opportunity sure. to have an interview with Channel Africa. And um, being a young parliamentarian, um, I must thank my leaders uh, back home in my party establishment mm. because they have this system of grooming young leaders, young politicians from the uh, youth, uh, youth, uh, youth wing mm. of the party. Mm. And um, it's not only me in my country, we have uh, uh, seats for youth and um, I'm glad to have an opportunity to represent Tanzania in the Pan-African Parliament. Mm. And this is my second term here. So I'm young, but I'm very old in Pan-Africa. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little bit about uh, just, uh, you know, I mean, you have been a pioneer of youth movements around the globe and I mean, engaging kind of international youth platforms. How important is for us as a continent? Because we do have a huge youth population on the continent. It's growing fastly and uh, it's actually the big demographic on the continent. How important is it for that kind of mentorship that you're talking about and involvement in parliaments to have young people also having a say on the continent on how government is run and also what we want to see for the future of the continent? Well, um, first of all, I understand my role as a young leader and I've been engaging and involved in many activities across the continent and globally. Um, I know uh, the youth leader, I have a responsibility to influence policy uh, and different uh, laws in my country and across the continent so that youth can be given a much um, platform and be involved in policy making and decision making. So we have worked uh, in the African Union uh, uh, with the youth charter mm -hmm. and also in the other platform trying to, imp uh, to improve and uh, influence uh, our leaders to consider youth in the decision-making and policy formulation. So uh, my, op uh, my advice to, to the youth uh, across the continent, they should always think positive uh, with self-determination and commitment. Um, and it's very important. Um, you should not let the turbulence get away or trying to get carried away with their success. Youth should always stay focused, calm, with great desire and hunger for success with a lot of tolerance. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes as youth leaders, we want to achieve uh, uh, quick, quicker, uh, you know. So <laughs> it's easier, important yeah. to understand the growth it comes step by step. Sure. Yeah. And in terms of, you said you are on your second term right now. Mm -hmm. In terms of your own agenda in kind of voicing the views of young people, mm -hmm. what is your kind of, um, uh, what do you want to see yourself achieving within the Pan-African Parliament? and also in your own uh, parliament back home. Yeah, as I said, um, I, I understand that I'm a role model to most of youth. Mm. And from the Pan-Africa, uh, you know, African country, uh, continent, uh, most youth are used in the violence activities. Yes, yes. And I have the responsibility to make sure that we help the youth of Africa not to be 
used in violence instead to be used in development agendas. So this is one of my biggest agenda in this parliament. And in terms of what we're speaking about in this gathering about strengthening the arm of the African Union, which is the Pan-African Parliament, into a more legislative role, Mm -hmm. um, what are your thoughts around that? And uh, what were your sentiments and your feelings about the gathering so far? I know it was just started yesterday, Mm -hmm. but what have been your assessments so far about uh, the conversations that are happening at this gathering? Um, this this has been a, a long time ambition for most of the uh, parliamentarians at Pan African Parliament, and uh, uh, since this parliament is, uh, uh, is the consultative body of the African Union, uh, it will be very very important if we manage to move into the next level of being a legislative ro- uh, playing a re- legislative role. Um, and this will help our continent, uh, especially when it comes to check and balance. Mm. When you have a strong parliament that can can have, can can registrate, mm. can make laws and um, to be used across the continent. Mm. And you know, para, uh, the param, the parliament is the representative of the citizens. Mm. We represent citizens of Africa here. Mm. Mm. So sometimes our executives or our African governments mm. uh, do not. Uh, do um, the right things mm-hmm. when it comes to human rights and democracy and through the Pan-African Parliament we can raise our voice mm-hmm. and we can make laws that will help the continent to be a safer place to live. Well thank you so much to you. That is the Honorable Stephen Masele, an MP from Tanzania. Thank you for giving us your time and uh, keep going because it's great to see young people here thank at you. the Pan-African Parliament. It's very rare but it's good when you see one. Thank you very much. Well that takes us back uh, to our studios in Johannesburg. That's how we wrap it up here at the Pan-African Parliament. Thank you for joining us here for this lively and very great conversation that we've had here at the Pan-African uh, Parliament, uh, uh, thank you for giving us uh, your time and, and your thoughts there. And uh, um, uh, that's how we're going to wrap it up. We've run out of time, so uh, we're going to just uh, go back to our Johannesburg studios for the sports and the economics update. Good morning. With your economics news, I'm Wisali Matebula. Ghana's parliament has overwhelmingly rejected a core condition of 918 million US dollar IMF aid deal on Tuesday, breaching the terms of a three-year program meant to fix an economy dogged by high uh, public debt. The lawmakers passed the Bank of Ghana amendment bill to allow central bank financing of the government's budget. Until now, the bank was authorized to finance the deficit at up to 10% of revenue. Nigeria has resumed the payment of allowances to former Niger Delta rebels under an amnesty scheme. This after low global crude prices plunged the oil-rich country into a financial crisis. Sisle Zuma reports. Program spokesperson Oweyulakemfa says the payment of allowances is ongoing. The amnesty scheme was introduced in 2009 after years of violence, including kidnappings and attacks on oil and gas installations by militants demanding a fairer share of revenues for local people. 
Libya's National Oil Corporation, which hopes uh, to more than double uh, the country's oil output by the end of this year, remains worried that promises to reopen blockaded ports could be broken. Khamutomopulani reports. Libya's UN-backed up government has signed a deal with an armed brigade controlling major Raslanov and al sada oil ports. Reopening the ports would be a huge step for the North African state, which since the 20-level fall of Muammar Gaddafi had slipped into chaos. Toyota Motor Corporation has cut its full-year forecast for operating profit. The world's largest automaker by market value now expects uh, operating profit to come in at $15.76 billion from a previous forecast. The new forecasts are based on a budgeted Japanese currency, the yen rate of 102 to the dollar. The South African rand was lately unchanged in early trade as traders refrained from making any large moves while results trickled in from local government elections, with a third of the ballots counted in the municipal election that took place on Wednesday, the ruling ANC has taken the lead with a 50% of the vote, but uh, the opposition established an early lead in two key cities, including South Africa's capital, Pretoria. Let's look now at your financial indicators at this time around. The dollar trading at 399 against the South African rent with investors waiting for the outcome of the municipal local elections in South Africa to for direction to see how to invest. It's also at 10.33 Botswana Pula and 10.10 Zambian Kwacha. Also trading at 0.752 the British pound and 0.89 against the euro. Commodities now, uh, gold is at $1,350, which uh, it's a higher value right now. And platinum, convincingly going up also $1,152 per fine ounce. Brent crude oil at $43.30 per barrel. That's how it's looking right now. I'll be back in an hour's time with another update. We have great news for you. Channel Africa has gone mobile. If you have a cell phone, you can now download the mobile app for Android. You can get it on Google Play. Get the latest news from Africa. Get the Channel Africa app. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. South African Afro soul singer and songwriter. You're listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, celebrating 20 years of South African freedom and democracy. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.
Good day, sports fans. I am Musiwu Dimakura with the latest sports news at the Sawam. South Africa's men's Olympic team coach Owen Dagama has announced the starting 11 to face Brazil in the opening match of the Rio 2016 Olympic Games tonight. It's been 16 years since South Africa competed in the football tournament, the last being back in 2000 at the Sydney Olympics in Australia. Itumilankune will start in goals, the central defence pairing from Bafana Bafana of Rivaldo Kutsiam, as well as Eric Matoho will be in operation in front of Gunem, while Dolin Maguire will occupy the left-back position. Abubakar Mubara will play at right-back in midfield. Captain Kikin Dolly will pull the strings from his usual left-wing position with Aubrey Mudiba on the right wing. They will be assisted by Motobi Mvala as well as Gift Muduba who has been slotted into the heart of the midfield. Goals will be expected from Men Masuku, as well as Lebu Mutiba. Here's coach Owen Dagama looking ahead of tonight's match. We've got to keep our cards close to our chests in how we're going to um, cope with it. But I think it's it's rather fair to say that South Africa qualified through Senegal, uh, which uh, we eliminated Senegal and they were the number one country in, in Africa. They were the number one seed in our group. And I believe because we've been playing together a lot, we've achieved a lot together. Uh, we've won the Kosafa Cup as well, which is a senior uh, national team cup uh, in Southern Africa. Because we've played together, um, I believe the only way how to, to uh, negate or how to nullify or how to try and counter uh, Brazil is to defend as a team and not to concentrate on individuals and man-mark individuals because we know Neymar, Gabriel Jesus, Gabriel, they're all quality players individually. So I think for us, it's to defend as a team, to play as a team. And I think the collective is always better than the individual. The match kicks off at 9, um, 9 p.m. Central African time. Meanwhile, South Africa's national women's football team, Banyana Banyana, went down to Sweden in their opening match at the Olympic football tournament on Wednesday night. An error from Banyana Banyana goalkeeper Roxanne Barkham gifted Sweden a 1-0 victory in their Group E opener. South Africa and Sweden were involved in the very first piece of sport in action at this year's Games with the official opening ceremony only taking place on Friday. But while Banyana battled hard and held their own for large parts of the match they were undone by the conceding of a wasteful corner and then two errors within seconds from Barker which led to her scoring an own goal. Banyana Banyana defender Nogumato says despite the defeat they still played well. I think it really worked for us, especially when it comes to the defense. We were tight. We didn't allow the strikers because the strikers, they're fast. So we, we managed to close them down so that they must not play. So I, I, I think we did well overall. Unfortunately, we lost the game. Meanwhile, in the Group F opener, Germany ranked second in the world, hammered another African representative, Zimbabwe 6-1. In the early hours of Thursday morning, the Mighty Warriors of Zimbabwe are making their first appearance at the World Spectacle. On Toronto News, Emirates Lions captain Warren Wheatley will make a welcome return to lead his side into Saturday's Vodacom Rugby um, final against the Hurricanes. He is the only change from the team that won the semi-final last weekend. Wheatley replaces Ron Ackman in the starting lineup for the final match of the season after missing the semi-final with a calf strain and will be keen to finish the job he started with the team several months ago. The return of 
owner of the Lions captain is a huge boost for coach Johan Ackerman's fortunes and Wheatley has to pass a late or rather had to pass a late fitness test after being cleared to um, after um, after being cleared to, uh, fit to travel with the team earlier this week. Now to cricket news, a batting collapse of epic proportions saw South Africa's women's cricket team suffer a 20-run loss to Ireland to draw the two-match women's T20 series at the YMCA Club, or rather YMCA Cricket Club in Dublin on Wednesday. The match saw an impressive fielding effort from both sides, yielding eight runouts in total four from each innings. Now both teams will switch gears and prepare for the upcoming four-day match ODI series starting on Friday. Well, those are your sports news at the hour. Stay tuned to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.